countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It is now time for another episode of the last comic shop! Where we march in time to the music and open up the last comic shop for newbies in order to help them find their way under the comic book tent. And where we keep the lights on for those oldies, because uh, they like talking about comic books and stuff, too. I am the host of the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And if you haven't noticed, we're still members of the Mary Marvel Marching Society this week, as all this month we have been doing Marvel books here on The Last Comic Shop, and this week is no different. It's my pick for the Marvel Month. It comes from Jason Aaron, and it is called Heroes Reborn. It's an eight-issue series. One of the issues was called Heroes Return, and it had Ed McGinnis on art for at least parts of it. You know, there was other people that that worked on it, and uh, Chad will get to that once we get to our review. But this was one of the summertime events at Marvel, and uh, I enjoyed it, so I wanted the guys to have to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Did we have to? As, yeah, spoiler alert, Heroes Return, the only one worth reading. I know Heroes Reborn is worth reading, but I'm talking about the Rob Liefeld version. That was really fun. With Cap Pex? Come on, now! Yeah! What else? You know, what it never appeared in an actual comic. Really? Yeah. It was a promotional image. Okay. Remember, there was one issue that had, like, a picture of Enchantress. She must have had no internal organs because her waist was so thin (laughs) on that cover. (laughs) Here's an ass, and there's nothing in between. There's, like... but It's all part of the fun with those image guys. That's right. Especially old Rob. That's the way he he liked to draw them. Thighs for days. (laughs) So, again, we've been talking about Marvel all month, and uh, this particular book deals a lot with embracing Marvel's tradition that started in the late 60s of a group of characters called the Squadron Supreme, or Squadron Sinister, if you want to talk about the bad versions of them. But they were basically a conceit that was created by Roy Thomas uh, in order to basically say, hey, what would happen if the Avengers fought the Justice League? Characters that are kind of like versions of the major players at DC in our Marvel Universe. We'll create Hyperion, that'll be our Superman. We'll create uh, Nighthawk, that'll be our Batman. We'll create the Wizard, also known as Speed Demon, a.k.a. the Blur, and that will be our Flash. And Dr. Spectrum was supposed to be the Green Lantern, and sooner or later there were, there were some more that were added to the kind of tapestry that I'll, I'll talk about actually in my recommendations. But wait, 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 time out, time out, yeah. time out. So one of the things I, I found reading a really awesome column on the internet called Comic Book Legends Revealed was that when the Squadron Supreme or the Squadron Sinister was, was created, one of the purposes was to have an unofficial crossover uh, between Marvel and DC. And it was Roy Thomas... And it was Denny O'Neill, and they both wrote the big team books in their respective universe. And they thought, oh, it'd be fun to have a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge crossover. And so you had the Squadron Sinister show up, and those were the DC analogs. And then on the DC side of things, it turns out the the editor got in the way of the the plans. And so the Justice League fought uh, the evil versions of themselves, but those evil versions of themselves were supposed to be more like Marvel characters. It's like evil Batman throws a garbage can lid like he's uh, Captain America. And Hawkman is a, a man of iron. And 
but they, it was supposed to be a little subtle jabs of these guys fighting echoes from the other company's uh, characters. Yeah. And eventually they did get around to doing some of that. For those folks that uh, we grew up in the 90s, you can remember the Amalgam uh, <laughs> universe in which they basically took, I think it was Wolverine and who was his guy? And Batman was Dark Claw. Okay. And then there was Superman and Captain America. Uh, and then there was Spider-Man and, and some, I, I don't know. Superboy. Oh, there you go. Those were tons of fun. But, I mean, it made me start thinking about the notion of the big two and them having their kind of rosters of characters. And sometimes these characters actually do make more sense in the other companies. Like, you can tell better stories, maybe, with those characters had kind of somehow ended up uh, at the other place. I, I think even that was supposed to happen in the 90s. It wasn't supposed to trade characters with uh, Hawkeye and somebody. At right. Similar to what happened with the Ultraverse. When Marvel bought the Ultraverse, they ended up dropping off Black Knight and a couple other characters like Cersei into the Ultraverse. Well, after that big Marvel DC crossover, there was talk about trading characters. But then ultimately they decided it was too messy and it was just something the companies didn't want to get involved with. Yeah, but we're going to get involved with it on today's program because we're going to name three characters at the very least that we feel would be better suited at the other of the big two. So we're going to go ahead and start off with Chad's pick. Chad, who do you think would work better as a you know a Marvel character going to DC or a DC character going over to Marvel? So I was thinking about this long and hard. And uh, not really. <laughs> I, 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 going back to DC, one of the things I always loved about DC was that they had all of these generational characters. Like, each generation would get its own new Robin. And each generation would get its own new Superboy. And, you know, like, the Flash would hand down his powers to a different Flash. But then one of the things I hate about DC is they never know what to do with those characters after, you know, a few years. Mm. Tim Drake comes on as Robin, and then they're like, okay. Tim Drake's been around for a while. Let's get a new Robin. And they bring in Damian Wayne. And then what do you do with Tim Drake? He can't be the old Robin because you already have an old Robin to Dick Grayson. He can't be the new Robin because you already have a new Robin. So you have Tim Drake who's just out there floating doing nothing. And so originally I was just going to do Tim Drake because he's an awesome character. But I want to take the whole Jeff Johns Teen Titans crew. The Superboy of Connor Kent, who's been dis displaced now by Jonathan Kent. Uh, you have Tim Drake, who... Was Robin, then he wasn't Robin, then he's Robin again. Who knows? Who cares? We're taking him over to Marvel. And uh, Cassie Sandsmark, who was Wonder Girl, who just disappeared. I don't know where she is. But they have a new Wonder Girl now. So all these characters that were really great characters that DC had, but that have been since replaced. Marvel doesn't have a Superboy. Imagine how much fun they can have with Connor Kent. Imagine yeah. how much fun they can have with a great detective like Tim Drake. And Cassie, I, I think the whole crew... Like, that trio could, you know, they could butt up against the champions, uh, whatever. I, I, I think they'd be a, a great time and a great addition to the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I could get behind that, especially if you threw in Impulse, like the, mm. the, the Kid Flash at that time. Because, Allen, yeah. I mean, they've got Quicksilver, they've got maybe Speed over there at Marvel, but they don't really have anybody that moves that fast. Like, the, the yeah. Speed Force fast. Like, they, they well, are they had kids. And so now you don't need Bart as Kid Flash because Flash has his own kids. Yeah. He's also the second Banana Flash now. So, yeah, send him too. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, J.A., who's your pick? I'm going the other way. I'm going from Marvel to DC. The problem with Batman is that he's got no 
buddy in Gotham that can kind of stand up to him. And not just stand up to him as a superhero, but stand up to him in court. So I'm bringing over the Daredevil. <laughs> oh, there's so many things you can do with this. So Daredevil can go fight for the little man, and he's going up against Wayne Enterprises, which is supposed to be this holistic, massive company, but it's a massive company. Come on. Some of that stuff is dumping chemicals into the groundwater. You know it. Oh, just Fox keeps it in line. No way. No, man. They're, they're going to court. <laughs> I want to see uh, Daredevil in court fighting for the little man in a class action suit against Wayne Enterprises. And then, upside of that, fighting together in Get all the bad guys in Arkham Asylum and what are the what's the the crappy neighborhood of Gotham City? What are the Narrows? And they can team up and fight Frank Miller. That's right. Yes. They mess with both of them. I was gonna say, like, who who better to write a story with like Daredevil and Batman in the same same book than Frank Miller coming back? Although I don't know. Good. And we get some Nazis. You know, you get some Nazis. <laughs> See, I thought you were gonna go the opposite way and bring Kingpin over and have him fight Batman's. King. Oh yeah. Well, I think we can bring Kingpin. We can bring Daredevil and some of his his rogue gallery over. So like, I I like this. Chad doesn't, but I no, I love Daredevil. I don't want you to ruin him by taking him to, into Gotham. <laughs> gonna have to deal with the commissioner and everything else. Well, my pick's super easy, and I think it kind of goes a little bit hand in hand with Chad's pick in terms of like bringing some kids that really don't have a place at DC because they're overshadowed by characters that DC already had. And if there's one character that gets overshadowed all the time, he is a permanent second banana because of another character that exists at DC. That is Shazam. Shazam, I've said it so many times. The original Captain Marvel, the original Big Red Cheese, he is a second banana at DC because they have the Man of Steel. He will never be able to reach the lofty heights that that character could have. Because Superman will always be like, well, we got Superman. Why do we need him? But you know who doesn't have a Superman? You know who has had had to put up with Hyperion and Sentry over the years? Marvel. In fact, they have characters called Captain Marvel at Marvel. So why don't you just bring over the original Captain Marvel, Shazam, and make him a member of Marvel proper? Could you imagine the Avengers with Captain Marvel, Shazam, teaming up with Thor And not only that, but it works so well because of Captain Marvel's backstory, of the Billy Batson aspect of this. The fact that he turns into a teenager, a kid, that's like ripe for what Marvel likes to do. They love to get teenagers and give them problems and be like, oh, woe is me. They eat that stuff up with a spoon. And so what's better than to have like a character that has those Superman powers, but also has the relatability of such a Spider-Man or something like that. So you're talking about like Invincible 30 years ahead of its time. So it just makes sense. It makes sense. 30 years? Shazam's like 100. That's right. Yeah, but I'm talking about like when Shazam first went over to DC and like they Fawcett got him. And like, you know what I mean? Like that trajectory had gone differently and Marvel would have been able to get him. 
dang it, they wouldn't have got Marvel. You wouldn't have had anybody. You just had Captain Marvel, aka Shazam. You wouldn't have to even call him Shazam. Just call him Captain Marvel. You'd be there. But that, you don't it need any meant, of it. it. It would have meant that we would have got a, a newer, modernized Shazam costume. That's for sure. At yes. least you'd have had that because that's the one thing DC just does not do well is modernize their 1940s golden era costumes very well. They add lines and seams. As long as he gets to have the cape that's over the, sh- the shoulder. Like, I always like that. Not the full cape, but like that half cape. Like he's a matador or something. Like, <laughs> it just comes down to his one shoulder. That's the best. Don't lose that. You can modernize everything else. What I hope you don't modernize is our program, Last Comic Shop. We'll be right back right after these commercial breaks with a review of Heroes Reborn by Jason Aaron and a bunch of other folks. Stay tuned. Cartoon Dumpster Dive. I'm your host, Joel. And I'm your host, Andrew. Join us as we travel back in time to watch the garbage cartoons from your past. Will you remember them? Maybe. We painstakingly watch every episode of these cartoons to remind you that, hey, some things belong in the past. Our pain is your entertainment. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info and parlay points our companion block section of the show thanks for listening to the odph now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast all right we're back with more of the last comic shop and it's now time for our read pile review that wonderful thing that we do on every single show where we give you a comic book that you can go pick up at your local comic book shop today and i'm sure this week's comic book can still be actually on your racks uh, if not that it's coming out when trade paperback soon uh you'll be able to get all eight issues of heroes reborn by jason aaron and a lot of other people chad who worked on this particular project that ran over this past summer okay so jason aaron was the writer throughout on the main series ed mcginnis did art with mark morales as a zinker matthew wilson did colors and vc's Corey pettit did letters now they did all of issue one they did all of heroes return number one and they also did uh, a backup story that ran through the rest of the issues But then in issue number two, the Hyperion issue, you get Dale Keown and Carlos Magno as pencilers with Scott Hanna and Carlos Magno on inks and Edward Delgado on colors. Issue number three was the Blur issue. Uh, Once again, Jason Aaron's still writing, but you had Frederico Vincentini on art with Matt Milla as the color artist. Issue number four was the Dr. Spectrum versus Rocket Raccoon issue by James Stokoe. Number five was your Nighthawk issue uh, with R.M. Guerra from Why the Last Man. Julia Brusco is the color artist there. Number six was the Power Princess issue with Erica Durso on art and Jason Keith on colors. And number seven was the Squadron Supreme of America with Jason Aaron writing, Aaron Cooter on art, and Dean White on colors. That is a lot of folks. And it's interesting, though, because... I was a fan of the fact that they did switch up the art from issue to issue. It kind of made me feel like I was reading a single issue of one of these superheroes books. 
So I was kind of going from one book to the next, like, oh, here's the Blur regular story. Here's the Power Princess regular story. Here's the Nighthawk story. But uh, in any case, the 10 cent synopsis for the plot of Heroes Reborn. And this is actually another piece of the puzzle of a long running storyline that uh, Jason Aaron has had. Uh, in both his Avengers run and and previous to that, such as in War of the Realms. And it really deals with a kind of a thrown away idea that uh, came about uh, in an earlier series where Mephisto was given a cosmic cube by Adam Warlock and Thanos. And as a result of that, he kind of imbued it with his hellish power and it became something else. It became something called the Pandemonium Cube, a.k.a. the Helahedron. And he gives this object to Phil Coulson, who in the Marvel Universe, unlike, I guess, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is a real douchebag. Um, and so he gives it to Phil Coulson, who then uses it to basically remake reality that the Avengers never existed. And his superheroes, the Squadron Supreme, made up of his versions of these folks we talked about, uh, Hyperion and all those folks. And he basically not only recreates them as the primary superheroes of his world, but he also installs himself as the president. And actually... Mephisto is gone. <laughs> Mephisto we yeah. trust. Got all the money and everything. Right. So, and, and in doing this, there's like kind of a ripple effect that come, happens across the board. Like the Scarlet Witch becomes a bad guy called the Silver Witch, you know, and... <laughs> There's an awesome super bad guy called Dr. Juggernaut, which is like Dr. Doom if he had the crimson gem of Sidorak and became Juggernaut for a little while. And, and they just kind of have some fun with some of these. They make the Green Goblin out to be the Joker, and they kind of just recast a lot of the, the Marvel characters in kind of DC kind of roles. And while this is all happening, Blade, who's been a member of Jason Aaron's Avengers, kind of remembers the fact that, hey... This isn't exactly what the universe is supposed to be like and goes and finds the rest of the Avengers he can. I don't know, puts together a squad to defeat the Squadron Supreme and reset reality back to the original 616 that we all know. That's pretty much it. Oh, yeah, and you get a council of Mephistos instead of like a council of Reed Richards. You get a council of demon devil people at the end. Uh, J.A., you haven't done a lot of talking on today's program. What are your initial thoughts of this series? Yeah, so I started reading it and I was sort of like, eh, really? Really? This is what we're reading? And then halfway through, I was like, all right, let's find out. I want I wanted to keep reading to find out what happens. And then upon completing it, I realized that the only parts that I really was interested in were the parts where it was Blade and Captain America and Thor and the real Avengers trying to figure out how to reset reality. I cared nothing about the Mephisto reality or the the Squadron characters. Hyperion was beyond stupid. They're all beyond stupid. They're just... <laughs> A, I didn't care about them. B, I was like, if I wanted to read a DC book, I would read a DC book. I wouldn't read a Marvel book about a DC book, about a Marvel book. I got what they were trying to do with all these analogs, as you said, of like uh, Green Goblin being the Joker. And you've got Ravencrest becomes Arkham Asylum and, and, and uh, just eh. <laughs> Wow. All right, Chad. I'll do you one better. I finished the story. And forgot I finished the story. I was like, oh, I still have to go back and read the last two issues. Like, oh, no, I did. <laughs> it happened. It was just so unmemorable. Uh, I forgot. And so 
No, here, here's the thing. I think these are, are perfectly serviceable comic books, uh, but it, it, it was like drinking Mr. Pibb instead of Dr. Pepper. At best, you're reminded of the times when you had a really good Dr. Pepper, <laughs> and you're like, oh, Dr. Pepper is great. But no, I have Mr. Pibb. <laughs> to steal a Mitch Hedberg joke, he didn't even get his degree. What's he doing? Make him pop so soon. And I... I the choice. I'm not a big fan of artists switching throughout a, a comic book series, but I could see what Andy was saying earlier, how it felt like each issue was its own separate title. Like one issue is the Hyperion title, one issue is the, the Blur title. And that was fun, but it just, everything felt like a knockoff. Even the artists, like uh, Dale Keown didn't remind me of Dale Keown, who I, I love back in his Hulk days. Uh, the James Stokoe, I, I've heard such great things about James Stokoe. He just seemed like store brand Daniel Warren Johnson. There was just so much here that it, it's not bad, but it's not memorable in any way, shape, or form. And so it's worse than bad. It's just there. Ow! Well, see, here I am going to stick up for Jason Aaron and this particular series because I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was my pick. But I, I got what he was trying to do with this particular series. I've always been a fan of the Squadron Supreme, to be honest. Like, I've read a lot of books. In fact, my recommendation on today's program is going to be another Squadron Supreme book that I think all fans should check out. And I've always liked them because I feel like, from a metafictional sense, they're, like, extremely interesting. I like the notion of, like, saying, like, hey, we don't have DC characters. We don't like we're Marvel, like we we're, we're doing things the way that we want to do them. So what we'll do is we'll take some of these DC characters and we'll kind of say like, hey, look how they don't fit in. Look how like they just really don't make sense with our universe. And to kind of make the series about like the fact that they're not supposed to fit in. Like this whole series is about the fact that like this reality is inherently wrong you know like everybody sees it like everybody feels it like even the members of the squadron supreme book in this are like uh something's not exactly right here like if you take dc characters and you put them in the marvel universe how like things seem kind of icky i was on board with this after issue two when i saw hyperion fly through galactus's head and like kill him instantly i'm sure that pissed my cousin off to no end but to me, I was kind of like, yeah, that doesn't seem right. Like, I don't like Superman being in my this universe. Like, I don't like them doing these kind of things. They're supposed to work to beat people like Galactus, not just throw fly through his head. But at the same time, I got what he was trying to do. Like, I was, I was like, you're not supposed to think this is right. You're supposed to think this is wrong that he's killing the Hulk. Like, this is our, our guy. And I just wanted to see how this kept on, like, progressing and how, like, eventually they got their comeuppance by the real Avengers, right? Well, my question for you is, are you reading and following the, the Avengers title currently? I, I read, I think, like, the first 20-some issues of Jason Aaron's run on the Avengers, and then I kind of fell off. I actually, about the same time as, like, War of the Realms started, because, like, I read bits and pieces of War of the Realms, and then I was just like, there's way too much stuff here. So, like, uh, I'll check it out and trade eventually, and I never did. Yeah, so I, I was curious about that, because his Avengers team, boy, do I not care vehemently about this Avengers team. <laughs> And it's sad because, but like, I like Echo. I thought Echo was a cool character in Daredevil. They made Echo the Phoenix? No. Like, 
she's like the superhero taskmaster and they gave her the phoenix force like that that's real dumb <laughs> and like blade is an avenger like no like <laughs> blade's not an avenger blade's a you know vampire hunter like when he's wesley avengers? snipes <laughs> when do they hunt vampires what is that on the avengers to-do list <laughs> You know, it was Black Widow back at the station, man on the computer screens, be like, oh, no, there's vampires. We better get uh, Avengers. Is it? No, that's dumb. And the star brand? Who brings back the star brand? Who cares about the star brand? Not only did I not care about the DC characters I wasn't supposed to care about, I didn't care about the Avengers in this book. I mean, Eric G's Nairn's not the first person to bring back star brand. I mean, Jonathan Hickman brought back star brand in his run on the Avengers too. So it's like star brand's been around at least for like 10 years. It's not like, he's yeah, like I, Oh yeah. By the way, we'll do that. They look up star brand and they're like, of course it's a Jim shooter thing. Of course, star brands, Jim shooter. His name even sounds like store brand. Come on. <laughs> All right, fine. Whatever. And, and I, and I won't buy lie. I, I bought into not only this series, but I bought a lot of the spinoffs that happened. Like there's this great issue where Gwen Stacy being killed. Like uh, they have Sam Wilson as the Falcon, who's supposed to be Nighthawk sidekick. He gets killed by the green goblin instead. And it had some great Dan Jurgens art. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. It reminded me of what ifs. Too, and you know I like what ifs. I mean, yeah. we've been talking about what ifs for for all, you know, like I like when they take some characters I know when they go in a different direction. They show you what could happen if you did something differently. You know why I think I'm so against this? It reminded me of whenever I was like ten years old or twelve years old, and I ordered the Bell Biv DeVoe CD from Columbia House, and I accidentally ordered the Bell Biv DeVoe Remix CD. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the remix. It's like you thought you're getting the greatest hits, but you got the tribute album. It's all the greatest hits done by like second tier artists. That's right. It's all cover bands and people right. playing flutes. Like, and... did you? Did I? I didn't want the Bruce Springsteen cover of Two for the Road" by the Smithereens. Yeah. <sighs> all right, come on, guys. There must have been something in this series that, like, it like ha- again had a little inkling that you might have liked somehow like i mean i don't want to feel like i wasted all of your time on this week's show i i will say yeah there are a couple things going for it and and will actually improve when they release it as a trade is that it's short so <laughs> and it's a relatively compact story so in a trade form you can read it all in one sitting didn't take 20 issues or 30 issues to go through each issue has, as we mentioned, is a standalone character a bit. Delve into more Hyperion or you delve into uh, the Wonder Woman chick. Power Princess. Power Princess, right. thing I liked about it, the only thing I actually liked about it, was the real Marvel characters, the Avengers, sort of rediscovering who they were. You know, the ones that had a little bit of magic to them or, or something. I don't know why Steve Rogers could exist outside of the whole mephisto created world but like you know when thor slammed down his his drunken gauntlet and became thor again then he's like oh yeah i'm thor and this isn't right because i know because you know i've got some and that was the whole conceit why blade could see through it all because he was like mystic so he can see through mephisto's i think if you're gonna have a giant world created by Mephisto, how can you not have the Silver Surfer somehow involved? Since that's his big antagonist. But, it, but whatever. I mean, at least 
you, you got one. <laughs> oh, of course, it came down to the Silver Surfer. No, oh, no, it wasn't in this book, so I didn't. No, it, it, it gave me Star to... Brand instead. <laughs> it, it, whatever. I, mean, I like, I, I like the, the fact that Phil Coulson is a dickhead because. He is a useless character, I think, anyway, so it's nice to have him get some sort of character development. There you go. And I, I did enjoy the character sometimes. I I love Power Princess and how thirsty she was. And, like, she's talking about her fight with Thor, and she's like, oh, man, I punched him so hard his beard came off. I would have shattered the Hulk, but he was still standing. He's like, I can't wait until I punch him again. And, like, she's just so thirsty for action and violence and romance and everything else, like... That was really fun. She's got the siege perilous that she uses to give her top up. <laughs> it's a bartender. It's a, there, there were fun parts in this, but at the end of the day, it was just, it was all store brand stuff. And for a Mephisto story, there was no Mephisto. Like, <laughs> he showed up every now and again and like, ugh, give me somebody to punch. I'm like Power Princess. Well, well, I mean, that's a good point. I, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, like, the ending of it with, like, the, hey, uh, if we can do this to one reality, what happens if we all join forces? And, you know, uh, it, it, was, was that at all intriguing to you? Or were you like, meh, it's just something that's going to happen, whatever? I told you, I forgot it. I read it. And I forgot it. And I was like, oh, wait, no, I did read this. That's how much of an impression it made. All right, J.A.? Yeah, I thought that was okay. I, maybe it's setting up for another big crossover event where, you know, they have to go fix the multiverse, I guess. But they probably won't do it with a bunch of store brand DC characters. They'll just do it with better Marvel characters. Oh, wow. Well, I I, I enjoyed it. I, I Again, I, I was trying to think of what my favorite issue was. Um, I like the fact that they made the, instead of Ghost Rider, they made him Ghost Runner. <laughs> I love Dr. Juggernaut. That was the best. How many times are you going to see Dr. Doom get the get the Juggernaut jewel and like just lay into Superman for a couple of panels? That, that was cool. That was neat. It was summer reading. I read it at the pool. It was awesome. Anyways, we got more of the last comic shop coming up right up these messages. We'll get our ratings. As a, I, I'm probably going to be generous with mine. We'll see what the guys are with theirs. Stay tuned. Interruption in progress. Now hijacking into ANS 2.0 immersion rig. Now simulating the amazing nerd show. Featuring comics. <laughs> and Batman's like, you're safe here and everything, but the Joker all of a sudden pulls out a gun and shoots himself. Movies. People fight with lightsabers. What the hell do you want? I mean, you're every. I mean, in every one of these movies, there's a lightsaber battle. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm gonna rewatch it a million times. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Give me something more. Wrestling. That would be awesome. Oh my god. Just a monster. <laughs> Fans would be like, holy, what the hell's going on? What happened to Jericho? Horror. It starts off like any other like home invasion type of story, and then it just goes crazy. And more. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Dan. And we are the Amazing Nerd Show. Make sure to download us on all your favorite podcast platforms. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our rating. Where, even though I like Jason Aaron, and I think he's a pretty awesome comic book writer, we're still going to give it a one out of four scale, and I'm going to let these guys give their ratings of this particular book this week. And uh, as always, my uh, co-host Jay Scott likes to give us our one out of four scale. 
And uh, J.A., what is our scale this week? So you're going to have to find a sound effect for like one of those barcodes being scanned at the supermarket because we're totally buying Brand X on this one. All right. Number of Brand X. Is it just the potato chips that say potato chips? (laughs) Yes, the beer that's beer. (laughs) It has to make sure that it can show up in a commercial or another movie and you don't have to pay. (laughs) Like let's instead of lays. Yes. We don't want any product placement. Just make Miracle wit. What is that stuff? <laughs> I don't want to eat it. <laughs> Whatever it is. Anyway, okay. so we're going to start off with J.A. Scott since he was the one that came up with the rating scale for this week. How many Ray Brand X items are you giving this one, J.A.? Yeah, so in my shopping cart, I've got my bag of Lay's. I've got a bottle of Heinz ketchup. And I've got one bag of the store x brand bread because i couldn't find my brand so i got one <laughs> wow as i said the the parts that i found the most interesting that i enjoyed reading were the bits where they were talking about real marvel heroes figuring out that something was off most of the books were you know where the story revolved around these Nighthawk and Hyperion. I just didn't care. I wasn't invested in them, and I didn't want to get to know them either. They they come off as dicks, and they're not very interesting, and they're obvious amalgams to DC characters, but they don't have any of the interesting parts of the DC character in them. So it's like, okay, that's not really Batman, so you can't have all that invested history of Batman in this character. It's just a fake Batman. You know, it doesn't taste as good, which is why people buy Lay's, not Let's. And and I guess uh, the art was good. I love the panel where it's like, you know, we're taking our reality back. Avengers assemble. But then the story's not over. Then you turn and there's more comic book. What is going on with that? I didn't understand that. Yeah, that's another dumb thing they stole from DC. Uh, The backup feature. Where you get your regular book, you get your Batman, and you're like, oh, Batman, that's cool. And then Batman's over, Batman ends early, and you get eight pages of some other story you don't care about. Mm. For me, that's actually, I'm equal but opposite there, where, like, I enjoyed the issues. And I actually think I would have enjoyed them more had they been more branded. Like, make issue number three, Heroes Are Born, colon, blur, number three. Make it clear that's what you're doing. But give me a whole issue of Blur. Give me a whole issue of Power Princess. Instead, what they would do, they would stop at halfway through and then do that backup series with Ed McGinnis art. And it was such a departure from the art we were getting. It was so jarring. But then they did that every stupid issue. And it drove me crazy because when I buy a comic, I just want one artist. And if you can't get that same artist and you have to do multiple artists, I want somebody whose style is reflected in there. I, I don't know. Like I said, at the end of the day, I didn't, I didn't think any of this was poorly done. Like, I think Jason Aaron is a, is a, a, a solid writer. I really loved his work on the Thor book that I read uh, a while back. But at the end of the day, there just wasn't enough here for me to care. And it, it, it's worse than bad, because it, at least if it was bad, like, I could point to this and be like, and this is where they went wrong, and this is where they went wrong. And, like, I, I could have fun with that. This was just there. It's two out of four Brand X bags of potato chips that you show up with the, at the party and you're like, hey, I brought chips. And then you're like, oh, good. And then you show them the, the bags and people are like, oh. 
That's what the heroes were born was. There's no Rob Liefeld or Jim Lee in this. Yeah, but see, that's the thing that about this that I really, really love. I mean, comic companies like Image, they've been doing this for years in which they take like analogs of characters from the big two and they make their own stories. It happened in like 1963. It happened in Kurt Busiek's Astro City. I mean, sure, yeah, you had Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, they didn't have the Fantastic Four, but they still wanted to tell stories. So they did that. You didn't have uh, Superman, so you told stories with Samaritan. Those are great stories. This has been happening because it's a reality of comic books. You sometimes don't have access to particular characters because of rights and because the parent companies aren't playing nice. And, and so I think that's really what this series is about and why I'm, I, I loved it so much and why I'm giving it a four out of four. This is great. It, it taps in to a real primitive, primordial nerd instinct, which kind of is wrapped up in that whole toy box idea in which, you know, when you were a kid, you had your DC action figures, you had your Marvel action figures. They were all in the same toy box and you just wanted them to play together. You wanted them to fight. Says the man who used his He-Mans to beat up his Star Wars guys because they're bigger. <laughs> that is true. But I mean, come on, DC and Marvel, especially now that they're owned by the parent companies that they are, they're never going to play nice. Like, we're never going to get like we got in the 90s with Avengers and the and the Justice League, you know, teaming up in the same book. We're not going to get that anymore. So Jason Aaron had to go back to that time-tested solution that Marvel came up with a long time ago, which was use the Squadron Supreme to tell DC Marvel crossover stories. And that's what he's doing here. You know, I get it that Hyperion is just the the generic form of Superman. But if he walks like a duck and he quacks like a duck, it's good enough for me. And it's good enough to get to what Jason Aaron does really, really well, which is play with the toys. It's why I liked his uh, run on Star Wars. I mean, in the first couple issues of Jason Aaron's run on Star Wars, he has Han Solo in an AT-AT trying to crush Darth Vader. Like, how many of us kids did that? You know, where we had our AT-AT toy, and we put Han Solo in that, even though it didn't happen in the movies. And we're like, oh, I'm just going to crush Darth Vader. He's doing the same thing here. You wanted to see Superman fly through the head of Galactus. You wanted to see, I don't know, Batman get the Venom symbiote. You wanted to see... A Green Lantern fight Thanos out in deep space. Like, all of these things, they're just kind of wish fulfillment. And, and, and with this what-if kind of scenario, you just get a series in which you can just do that. Four out of four store brand stuff. This was great. This was wonderful. I don't care what these, these folks say on this. I got everything it was laying down, and I'm a huge fan of Jason Aaron. I like all his stuff. Whether it was this or Goddamned or his Thor run or so, like he can continue to write all this stuff, and I'll keep continuing to buy it. Four out of four. You're going to pay full retail for generic brands. Then I'm going to be a sucker. I, I this was this was perfect summer reading too. This was like I didn't need to think about this too much. Everything was packaged really well. I mean, they were fighting the devil. I mean, even worse, like a president that was like. 
that was worshiping the devil. Like, just like a classic bad guy. Like, just, eh, you don't need to think about that. Just have him get his comeuppance. Here's the thing where I think you might be able to give this story more credence because you've been reading the Avengers. Without that, there wasn't enough, like, preamble to understand what was going on in this book or to care. Like, I thought that would have really helped if we had known, like, that Coulson is a bad guy. (laughs) Simple stuff like that, though. Like, where is that to introduce readers to the story and get them hooked in? That's true. I thought that was a real failing here. And maybe that's, you know, uh, no, it's still a four. I I also thought some of the the cameos worked better than the others. Like, the, the whole idea that you have all these people that didn't become superheroes like Peter Parker playing the Jimmy Olsen, but he, he's got too much Jimmy Olsen and not enough Peter Parker. Okay. Yeah. He didn't become Spider-Man, but I don't think Peter Parker was this clumsy, useless Jimmy Olsen type before he became Spider-Man. While that didn't work, I thought that Carol Danvers being, you know, like a, a jockey fighter pilot that doesn't listen to orders and didn't get promoted that is actually in line with who she is as the superhero. So that did work. Mm. So things like that were so inconsistent. They didn't oh. nail it at all. I like the fact that, like, at the beginning of issue five, you had Craven pretend to be Nighthawk, and he dressed up like one of the other Nighthawks from, like, I don't know, like the Nighthawk Max series or something like that. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Let him go to, uh, to Ravencroft. That's, yeah. And then they, it was all, like, the Spider-Man baddies. This is like, oh, they're all locked up in there like it's Arkham. Oh, it's cool. Oh, gosh. And like issue eight, there's even a scene where like they they draw Nighthawk exactly like Batman. And I was just like, damn, like, I know you're telegraphing this shit, but this is awesome. Like, go, go nuts. Just have fun. It's the summertime. Let's have fun. And you know what else you should have fun with? Our recommendations. As always on our show, we like to give you other comic books that you can pick up at your local comic book shop. Ha ha. So we do uh, something similar, which I don't know if we want to do something similar this week or not. (laughs) We do something recent and then something out of left field or off the beaten path. So let's start with uh, something recent because we need a we need a palate cleanser. Oh, you guys are awful. I hope Jason Aaron doesn't listen to this show. (laughs) Or if he does, he sends me a fruit basket. Give me a bit of ginger. Give me a bit of ginger. Cleanse my palate. All right. So I will I will step in here with something recent. And I will pick an Avengers story that has them going up against big dumb odds and universes, you know, created by by big bads that are totally evil and even teaming up with some of their greatest foes. And that series is Avengers Mech Strike by Jed McKay and Carlos Mango and Guru EFX does the colors. It is a book where Kang the Conqueror has finally conquered things and for the Avengers to defeat him, they need giant robot suits. Yeah, it's a thing. It it sounds cool. It's it, just like every Avenger is Iron Man. Exactly. Um, and it, it's so ridiculous, but at the same time, it's still really fun. And there's a big bad. Kind of want to give it away. Well, if you've been in your toy aisle recently, you've probably seen it. Thanos gets his own mech suit. And joins the Avengers. They get a younger version of Thanos to help them take down Kang. Like but teenage Thanos? Before, I believe it's before he's gotten his gauntlet. But they needed somebody with his ruthlessness. I'm telling you, this series, it's its tons of fun. 
If you want a good summer read that it's like, you don't have to think too much about, because if you do, it's going to be all timey-wimey and you're going to go in circles and get dizzy anyway, uh, go ahead and pick up Avengers Mech Strike, where the Avengers team up with Thanos against Kang the Conqueror in giant robot suits. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm going to recommend something that's kind of uh, similar, but really out of left field. It's uh, all new X-Men. This is the uh, Brian Michael Bendis run that started in 2012. So this is following a bunch of stuff where X-Men and Avengers were fighting, and Cyclops has teamed up with the White Queen and Magneto, and he's going around acting very much like, you know, a classic evil mutant. Uh, Mutants for mutants only. Humans don't like us anymore. And uh, the X-Men don't want to fight him because it's going to create a civil war, a mutant civil war, and they can't have that. And Beast says, you know... The Cyclops I remember from growing up would never like what Cyclops has become today. And then they use that, and they basically go back in time and bring the original X-Men, Charles Xavier's X-Men from the 60s, from that when they were kids, into the future, into the present, to fight and talk new Cyclops down. And so that's sort of the conceit that drives this whole thing, but just done really well, interesting, crazy, ran for a while, and then they rebooted X-Men yet again. So it's, it's, a, it's a classic X-Men reboot where you have to know some of the past, but you can just let stuff read it and for its batshit crazy aspect and, and enjoy it all. Uh, art by Stuart Eminen. The first volume collects issues one through five. Just a great read. I agreed. I really I read that first volume and I loved it. And then I feel like the second volume they crossed over with regular X-Men book and I'm like, no, this is bad. But that first one was great. And I kind of regret not going back to, to finish the rest of the series because those original X-Men were still really fun characters. Some other great characters are the Squadron Supreme. So I'm going to finish off with a similar book. I'm going to stick up for mine. And as I mentioned in my review, uh, there has been other great Squadron Supreme books in the past. And one of the best ones I can think of is the one that came out in the mid-80s called The Squadron Supreme. It was a 12-issue miniseries uh, that ran from 1985 to 1986. And it was written uh, by Mark Grunewald, who most people know as the uh, inspiration for the character Mobius. So if you're a fan of that that, uh, Loki TV show, um, the Mobius character was based off of Mark Grunewald. And uh, he was a real continuity wonk, uh, not only just with Marvel, but just in comic books in general. So he was a great pick. Uh, to kind of write a series in which he was basically going to tell, I don't know, a kind of a really in-depth story about these kind of throwaway characters that were really just knockoffs of DC characters. Uh, he was really the first one to see like some real value and in, in, in basically being able to be like, eh, we've got these characters. I don't want to write something for DC. I'll write it for Marvel. And the greatest thing about this series was it predated Kingdom Come. The uh, wonderful uh, Mark Wade, Alex Ross book uh, that everybody speaks so highly of uh, by many, many years. But it pretty much has the same story, which basically Hyperion, who is, you know, the Superman equivalent and the rest of the Squadron Supreme decides that they want to take over the world because they feel like they're better suited to run it. And so they do. Uh, And they try to set up like kind of a utopian society. 
And Nighthawk, who is the Batman character, says, no, 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 we shouldn't be doing this. We're supposed to be good guys. Good guys don't take over the world, even if it's for altruistic reasons. And so he basically leads a secret revolution to stop Hyperion and the rest of the uh, Squadron Supreme from doing this and creates a civil war. And, and all these ideas were eventually played out, as I said, in things like Kingdom Come and Civil War. But it's like, again, decades before those books came out. So if you like those books, if you're a fan of those, go back and read the original. It's got neat things like Nighthawk eventually teams up with the bad guys. It's just great. Again, it's another great example of what you can do with the Squadron uh, Supreme in terms of uh, storylines. I do love how all these books always take Superman and turn him into, like, like the fascist bad guy. Like, you know, he's, he's gone so patriotic that he becomes fascist. I mean, that's essentially what it is. It happened in Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. It happens all the time when with Hyperion. He's always, like, he's so right, but then it's only my right, right? Good red-blooded Americans will understand this. That's even a line in the book we just read. It's like, this isn't America, dude. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, but one thing that you can absolutely depend on is us coming up with new episodes of The Last Comic Shop. And you can check them out by rate reviewing and subscribing to a myriad of places that you can find our podcast every single week over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. We've got links to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pandora, Amazon Podcasts, and a variety of other places. And while you're out there rate reviewing and subscribing again, leave us that five-star review if you like what we're throwing down if you've liked our marvel month make sure that you leave us some comments if you've not liked it and you say ah you should do more dc books tell us that too but ultimately let us know what you think and you can tell us what you think on social media places like twitter and instagram where you can find us at last comic shop or on facebook at last comic shop podcast and all those links are available on our website, lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where you can also find a link to our merch store and get some cool shirts for the summer. And maybe this week we'll have some special, like, uh, reverse shirts. So it's not the last comic book shop. It's, it's the opposite of the last comic book shop. Would that be the first comic shop? I like it. We're the first comic book shop. Generic brand. <laughs> And while we may be the last comic shop podcast, there's still plenty of comic shops out there where you could go and find things like Heroes Reborn if you want to read that. You could find Mark Grunewald's Squadron Supreme. You could find Avengers Mech Strike. Or you could find uh, Brian Bendis and Stuart Immonen's all-new X-Men by going to www.comicshoplocator.com and finding that shop near you. All right, and I hope that you come back to our shop every single week. I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and Jay Scott. And remember, until next week, stay safe, stay sheltered, and stay generic. Because, I don't know, it's cheaper. You save money. Exactly. It's the same beans. We've talked about that. They, just because they put it in that can does not mean that it doesn't taste the same. Just put it on your plate. Stop being so bougie. And exactly. <laughs> It's all coming from the same factory anyways. That's right. You don't need Heinz. You can get Hints. <laughs> oh, that's a terrible example. <laughs> that's not just as good. 
Who needs 57 varieties? You just need one variety. That's right, delicious. <laughs> the last comic shop was a 2021 Black Angus production. <laughs>